morning. Happy New Year. I've already said it once, but I'm going to say it again. Happy New Year. It's 2018. For some of you, getting through 2017 was like limping to the finish line. You know what I'm talking about. 2017, for a lot of folks, was a rough year. I mean, it just was emotionally filled with turmoil, left and right, on the news, politics, I mean, weather, natural disasters, sports, your team. I mean, it's been, it's been a crazy year. But here we are, and it's 2018, and there's nothing like a new year, right, to just put a little bit of fresh perspective uh, in your in mind's eye. Nothing has actually changed, but there's just a natural shift that happens in our hearts and our souls because it's a new chapter. It's a new season. The, the page is turning. You guys with me this morning? And so I could not be more excited uh, about what God is doing here at High Point, uh, what he's doing through you, through our church together. We're a young church. Uh, we're a growing church, and we are a church that we are believing to reach and engage our community in 2018 in fresh and new ways. It's going to be a great year. I am speaking that into existence by faith. The mountain that was 2017, get behind me, right? Okay, here's what we're going to do. You mentioned it, uh, or was already mentioned once, but guys, there's nothing like uh, ringing in a year, ringing in the new year, by devoting a special time to Jesus. And that's what we do, and the ministry that we're a part of, it's called Every Nation, and we are taking the first week, so to speak, starting tomorrow, uh, and we are, we're setting aside time to pray and fast, literally to deny ourselves food which is what people would call crazy. That's crazy town. Yet we see it in Scripture from beginning to end. And when Jesus even is speaking to the Jewish community, he doesn't say, hey, if you decide to do this. He says, when you fast. Meaning this is something that we oftentimes should be doing, but for many of us, we've never experienced it. We didn't grow up doing this. And so if you've never done it before, I want to encourage you, take this with you. You could literally fast social media if you really wanted to. Now, I know, for some of you, that's worse than food. But the idea is that you would take food out of your life, that which you are naturally dependent on, to remind your soul and your body and to tell God who you are truly dependent on. More than food. I realize you got to have food. But even more than that, your flesh cries out for things, does it not? And sometimes we need moments, nothing like the beginning of a year, to remind yourself who is really in charge. And it is not your appetite. It is God Almighty who breathed the heavens and the stars into existence. That is who's ultimately in charge. And so we are praying and fasting, and we're asking for God to draw close to us in 2018. That's what I'm believing for you. Man, that God would just wreck you all over again. That you'd fall in love with him. That you'd be passionate about him. That you'd seek first his kingdom 
above everything else. Okay, question for you before we shift into the text this morning. It's common for people to have New Year's resolutions. Some of you do. Raise your hand if you have a resolution or a goal. Most of you do. Some of you just aren't even being honest right now. No vegetables over here? That's a great goal. Good grief. So number one resolution in America, what do you think it is? Lose weight. Number two resolution, what do you think it is? It is quit smoking. In 2018, there are still uh, people who are, who are looking to try to break. And I say still as if, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I know some of you smoke, and you know what? If that is a resolution and a goal, we are with you. I want to see you break that thing. What do you think some of the, some of the other more popular goals are and resolutions that, that come upon us at a new year? What do you think it are? Save more money. That is absolutely one. What else? Exercise. That kind of goes with losing weight. I like that. Get a new job. Make more money. You know that's going to be in there. What else? Spend less time on your phone. That's actually one of mine. I'm creating goals and boundaries around phone usage because as a pastor, guess what I can do? I can live on a device. People are texting at all hours, calls, you name it. And if I'm not careful, I can live on this thing. So can you. We have lots of goals, don't we? We have resolutions. Even if you didn't write them down, many of you have something that you would like to see accomplished in 2018. That's a good thing. But here's what I want to say to you this morning and remind you of. All of those things are good, and they're all worthwhile. All of those things. Losing weight is a good thing. Quitting a smoking addiction is a great thing. You know what? Trying to, to believe for a new job, that's a good thing. Trying to make more money in the right context is a really great thing. But all of those things in and of themselves are not the greatest goal that you and I can have in 2018. <clears throat> Turn to the book of Timothy in your Bible this morning. I'm literally getting texts right now that say, hey, you shouldn't be on your phone. <laughs> That's dirty dog right there. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 8 through 10. The writer here is Paul, and he's, he's talking about some of the things that, that the people, uh, some, of the, some of the people in Timothy's church are ambitious about. And he says that for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. So here we are. We have a young church led by a young man named Timothy. And some of these, the, the men and women in the church have worked really hard to be in shape, to, to have a, a measure of fitness. They're physically trained. And what Paul is saying is that these are good things. 
This is a good value to have. This is a good goal to have in mind. But he says what is even better than that is godliness. And so here we are in 2018, and I'm not asking you to set aside the values and the goals and the resolutions that you have for 2018 that you've written down on a piece of paper. But what eclipses them all, if it's not on that list, is you growing to become more like Jesus in who you are and every single thing that you do. That's the greatest goal. That is, we'll say this Real clear, the greatest goal you could have for 2018 is that your life would look more like Jesus, period. Guys, with me, did I lose you? I know some of you are like, oh, man, I know, but I really want to, you know, I really want to bone up on that reading list. And that's what's waking you up in the morning is reading your 24 books, two books a month. Some of you are seeing inside my own heart here. I love to read. But reading great books and learning great things, what good is learning all of this information if I've not put it to use in God's kingdom? What good is is getting my body in shape if I'm not letting God use my body to bring glory to his kingdom? What value is it is, is being less on my phone if I'm not redeeming that time with my family and, and imparting to them what it looks like to serve and follow Jesus? So the ultimate goal is, in fact, godliness and becoming more like Jesus. 2018 is going to be a great year. Because we're going to grow to become more like Christ. Let's pray. And then we're going to get into the practicals of how we're going to do this. Father, would you... Actually, before we ask you to do anything, we just thank you. We thank you for another day to breathe and another day to live and another day to follow you and love you and worship you. And God, whether we fully understand it here sitting here this morning, or whether we're jumping out of our shoes to see it happen, Father, I'm asking that you would help us from the inside out become more like you. That you would change us afresh in 2018. That you'd use us and challenge us and grow us. It's in your son's name, the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who died for our sins and rose again victorious on the third day. We say amen. Amen. So church, we're a part of a ministry called Every Nation. And as we are, we're, we're talking about becoming more like Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus did, and Jesus did well, is he engaged people around him. Oftentimes, people that were rejected, people that were lost, forgotten, diseased. And I want you to hear that as a church and as a movement, one of the things that we care about are people who do not know Jesus. 
And the reason that my wife and I moved here, and the reason we started a campus ministry at, at Kennesaw State, and the reason we're developing leaders and people are transitioning into new areas of leadership in our church is not just that we have a great moment on Sunday. It's because we want to bring honor to God, and we also want to engage people who do not know him. Genesis 12 says that we have been we have been made a blessing. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. And I want you to know that as a movement, we believe so much in reaching and engaging our community that in the next several months, we're planting churches. And I want to encourage you, if this is your first time here, we're a part of something that's global. We're part of something that's reproducing. And I want to bring some great news to you about some things that are happening. In the next several months, we're planning churches in Savannah, Georgia. If you've got friends in Savannah, now's the time. Let them know. You've got, you got people that don't know Jesus there. This is, this is the time to begin praying if you haven't already. It's going to be a great church that starts in Savannah, Georgia, Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, Texas. Oh, yeah. New church. We've got another church that's starting in New York City. Location to be determined. We have several there already. I think New York could probably stand to have another church in it. Call me crazy. We have a high point church that is going to be birthed and started in Birmingham, Alabama, which we are super pumped about. And if you're sitting here panicking, don't worry. We've got a, a, it's a great relationship with a young guy who's wanting to, to plant. He and his wife, they love what's happening here. And we're going to partner by going and helping kick up the dirt there. and We're going to do some outreaches. And more than anything, we're going to provide some accountability to him as he is getting ready to enter a very difficult season of life, planting a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Winnipeg, Canada. Lord knows Canada needs Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's so cold up there. <laughs> Odessa, Texas, Charlottesville, Virginia, and a Korean-speaking congregation in Chantilly, Virginia. That's just in the next several months. Because we believe in engaging our community. We believe in engaging our country with the gospel of Jesus. We believe in reproducing. But I want to say this to you, as excited as I am about all the things happening around us and out there, engaging the community and engaging in missions isn't some far-off thing. It's something that you and I get to do right here in Kennesaw and Woodstock and Ackworth and Marietta and Roswell and Sewanee and Rome and all the other places that you guys are driving from to be part of High Point. And as we look at becoming more like Jesus in 2018, one of the things that we know as a movement that God is, is breathing afresh into our churches is this idea of letting God use you and me to engage the people around us. 
And for many of you, if you grew up going to church, this is not something you've ever done before. That's why 2018 is going to be a great year. Because we get to grow into the likeness of Jesus. That means we get to let go of some things and become some things that we've never become before. Do this. Turn uh, in your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. The question is, how do we reach, uh, you know, how do we reach our high schools? You're in middle school this morning. You're in high school this morning. This is not a message for adults. This is a message for everyone. How do you reach the people that you go to school with? How do you engage the people around you that you attend school with, that you attend college with, that you work with? How do you engage your neighbor across the street, the person in the apartment complex right next to you? How do you engage the person who is in a cubicle next to you, your boss, the person that works for you? You see, we're around people all the time, but oftentimes we love to stay in our little spiritual ghettos, our Christian ghetto of people that look like us, talk like us, feel like us. Birds of a feather flock together. Well, I have great news for you. We're not birds. So we're not called to be together all the time. Listen to this, Matthew 4, 19. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus invites Peter and Andrew to follow him. In the original Greek, uh, you know, the word for follow, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher maybe how to, to actually say this. It's called ukoloseao, which is Greek. And this idea of following isn't just, you know, lacing up your shoes and walking after Jesus. It's this idea of accompanying Jesus, of serving Jesus, and in words I've already used, becoming more like him in what he's doing in a day-to-day basis. And so when Jesus is beckoning those to come and follow, this was without question not an invitation to be a tag-along. It was an invitation to become like him in his very likeness and in his very doing. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because when Jesus said to come and follow me, he said, I will make you fishers of men. Meaning, when you come and follow me, this is what I'm going to do in you and through you. Yet you and I, oftentimes when we, when we look at fishing and as we look at God using us to engage our, our city and our community, don't we oftentimes think of real maturity? Don't we think of having to attain to a certain amount of Bible knowledge, having to get to a certain place in our faith? And what Jesus breaks it down to in the micro is, if you follow me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you into this. And so by following Jesus, by virtue of following him, I become one who fishes. Sometimes 
while it might be a hard saying, if we're unwilling to fish, if we're unwilling to engage, at some point we have to ask ourselves if we're really following. Because that, in essence, is who Jesus is. He came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick, the broken, the rejected. And when we take on the banner of being one who follows Jesus, that means that we care about the same things that Jesus cares about. And Jesus cares about the one who left the flock. That means we get to do the same. And yet oftentimes, The thought of engaging people with your life falls on deaf ears, doesn't it? It's not a priority for us. We would much rather have the spiritual deep moment and be transformed. And those are good, and you need those. But if we're really being transformed, then at some point we should be transformed into one who cares about those who do not know Jesus. And that means we've got to take action at some point. Let's keep going. Luke 15, 1 through 2. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Everybody wanted to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can you believe it? Jesus Christ is eating with sinners. He's in their homes. He's spending time with them. And the accusation, and rightfully so, is that Jesus is friends with the riffraff. My goodness, what are we going to do, Jesus? What if in 2018, what if in this year, in 2018, you were accused of being a great friend of people who did not know Christ, people who were broken, who were forgotten, who are rejected. What if that was the accusation made about your life? More than you're a great businessman. More than you killed it and made a bunch of money. More than you, pick, pick a thing. What if, the, what, if, what if in 2018, what was said about your life is that you were a friend to those who needed Jesus Christ? You think your community might look a little different? You think your school might? I'm not saying that this is easy all the time. But one of the things that has crept into the church, especially in the Bible Belt, is that Christians have lost the art of knowing how to be friends with people who don't know Jesus. The art of, of having a friendship with somebody who thinks different than you. Instead, we have our our echo chamber where we simply spend time 
only with people who look like us, think like us, and talk like us. And Jesus was amazing at breaking through the stereotypes and breaking through the natural flocking boundaries to the, to, to the frustration of the people around him that he might get and spend time and impart to people who really need him. What if that was said about you? In 2018, I want this to be said about me. And I want this to be said about my church, our church, that this is what we care about. Not the only thing, but boy, it's important. See, when I look at 2018, our every nation churches, and we look into the horizon and we, we get excited as we do at New Year's. The thing that we are all globally looking at is this word engage. And we feel the Holy Spirit breathing a fresh wind on us that we would grow in this area. That we would learn how to grow effectively, not at the expense of other things. Not that you would, not that you would despise or not care about holiness or worship but that we would truly learn and become people who are lit on the inside, a fire burning for those who don't know Christ. Now, I'll give you an example here because, you know, Amy and I have been in, we have a house that we've been in for a little over a year now. And like many of us, we have you know, I wrote down initially in 2018, you know what I want to do? I want to grow. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to grow. What a great, what a great resolution. Jesus, I want to grow. Let me become more like you. Wrote it down. And, and then I went outside and I've been drinking tea lately and I have, I have, you know, my beautiful high point, you know, campfire mug. And I have my hot tea, and it's freezing outside, and I'm looking out the window. And one of the things that we have been, we've been doing is we've been trying to grow grass. We've had a house, and if you, it looks like a wasteland in front of our home. It's literally just a dirt pile now, anyway. And Amy and I, we, 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 in 2017, you know, heading into the year, we, we, we want to grow grass. But it's amazing that as much as I want to grow grass, as much as I fill my mug with tea and look at the yard through my window, no grass will grow. Just wanting to grow does not actually suggest or imply or make anything grow. That's right. Does that make sense? And so we called some companies because I don't know how to grow grass. I got a lot of issues happening in my yard. And they come out, and it was free, and, you know, they gave us the consultation. And one of the things is you got to cut down these two giant trees in your front yard. Oh, and then you're going to need to aerate, and then you're going to need to seed, and then you're going to need to level the yard. You're going to need to do all these things. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm writing it all down. I'm, okay. Okay. And I had my plan. It's amazing that even having a great plan and knowing how to grow grass, drinking in front of the window, now with this amazing knowledge, and no grass would grow. It sounds like a children's book, doesn't it? Knowing what to do, 
doesn't make anything grow. Just wanting something to grow doesn't make anything grow. What did we actually have to do? We had to put in some work here. We had to put in some time and some effort and do the actual things that were being recommended to experience the growth that we wanted to see in our front yard. And I'm happy to tell you that we have an entire yard filled with grass right now. Oh, yes, yes. So I sat here and literally put this in the message last night thinking about this because I had wanted to see grass grow for so long, but I hadn't actually experienced it. I didn't know what to actually do. And this is that thing about spiritual growth where we write this down. We think about this. We put it on our notes. We get a new reading plan on version, on the little Bible app, and then we don't actually do anything about it. And I want you to hear me this morning. This is not a message of wrist slapping. This is a charge. This is an exciting moment for us as, as people, as men and women of God, young, older. This is what we get to do in 2018. We don't get to just think about it. We don't get to just have the information. We're going to put in the work that is required for us to grow into the likeness of Jesus. I'm not talking about becoming a Christian. I'm not talking about the free gift of salvation. I'm talking about now putting a little bit more muscle on your spiritual body. And so we're going to begin the year by praying. And for many of us, this is difficult to do. We're going to begin the year by reading the Bible together. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to let God stretch us this coming Friday night. We've got a a moment to celebrate at the end of a week of prayer and fasting right here at 7 o'clock. If you're wondering why you're just finding out about it, because we didn't get the word until this morning at 7 a.m. that we could use the school. But we're going to celebrate together. My hope is that you can actually come and make it as we set out what this year is going to look like. And it's going to begin by praying. It's going to begin by fasting. And the other thing that we are without question praying for you and I to grow in is our willingness and our desire, our heart to engage the people around us. I can't answer what this looks like for every single one of you. But as a staff and a team, we are creating things. We're praying for things. We're creating opportunities. And I'm going to graciously, lovingly push you to share the gospel, to pray, to talk about, to open your mouth about Jesus to the people around you. The latest statistic was that 18% of Americans go to church. That's a lot of people that don't. I'm not suggesting that just because you don't go to church doesn't mean somehow that you're not a Christian. But there's a lot of people missing the community of Christ. You can be a Christian and yet still have a measure of lostness. You know what I mean by that. 
doing knuckleheaded things, stuck in knuckleheaded thought patterns. People need the freedom of Christ. And I believe that this year, God just might use you to do something powerful in somebody around you, a family member, a brother, a sister, a neighbor, a coworker, somebody you go to school with. It's going to be a year of stretching us as a church to reach out and to engage in new and fresh and bold ways. Amen. Matthew 28 says this. It says that, Jesus came to them and said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I know for many of us, the thought of making disciples, it's a weird concept. And yet, what's not a weird concept is this idea that we want to grow and we want to become more like Jesus. Yet Jesus is saying that if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so there's this measure of, of becoming more like Jesus in certainly personal stewardship and personal holiness and your worship of God. But there are other things that Jesus has instructed and asked and commanded us to do. And I'm telling you, as a Christian community, if we won't do it, we will experience stunted growth in our relationship with him. He says, if you would make disciples, no, that's not what he says. He says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And I want you to hear this, that if you want to grow, if you want to have a year where you begin growing, then maybe you might, you might need a year where you start going. And you go and you make disciples. You, you step out of your comfort zone. You open your mouth. You, you stretch yourself a little bit this year. And if you're sitting here this morning and this does not matter to you, okay. Let's get the cards out for a second. I want to ask all of us to examine our hearts. Because this is where growth begins. It's caring about the things that Jesus cares about. So what I'm praying for is that is that I would see people the way Jesus sees people. And that my heart would break for people the way God's heart breaks for people. And that I would look at how I use my time and invest my time, that I would look at it through the lens of how Christ would have me spend my time. I'm going to share more about this next week, but the scriptures in Proverbs says that he who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. 
one of the greatest fallacies when we think about giving our life away to the people around us is that we don't have time, we don't have energy, we don't have the desire, we don't have enough, dot, dot, dot. But that's not, a, that's not the way the principle works in God's kingdom because he says that when you pour out, he pours right back in. And so when you think you don't have enough and yet you give it away, this amazing, miraculous principle happens where you, where you sow, you also reap. And so when you pour your life into someone else, God pours his life right back into you. And so this pot that somehow or afraid of getting empty, constantly stays filled. Stand to your feet this morning. Stealing my thunder for the next message. I want to give us a moment because I know there are great goals and there are great resolutions in front of you right now. And they're worthwhile. They're good. They're great things. And now what I'm asking for God to do inside of us is to remind us the greatest goal of all, and that's becoming more like Him. And the one aspect that we're emphasizing right now, today, is that our hearts would break to the point of action for people who don't know Jesus. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts this morning to give us a fresh hunger that we'd be able to feel pain, that we'd be emotional that we'd sense it and feel it and be willing to do something about it Father I thank you God I'm reminded of when I came to faith God at 13 years old and then later in college Oh, God, when I was taught how to follow you in different areas of my life through discipleship, God, I remember, Lord, those moments so vividly and so powerfully. God, there are those sitting here this morning that are reminded of what it looks like when they did not know you and the life that they lived. And yet, you and your great mercy and your great compassion, you reached into their heart and you changed them and you made them new. God, would you bring those moments and those memories to the forefront of our mind today, God? Would we be reminded, Lord, of the miracle of transformation, of salvation, of being made new, God? And Lord, would our hearts be stirred afresh for those that don't know you? Not for those who've just forgotten or who've wandered away in hurt or pain. Those that think they don't know you or think they don't need you. God, would you use us today and tomorrow and in 2018 to introduce our community, our cities, 